This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. Welcome to Advanced Base Camp. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast, episode number 23. I'm here with Steve Cochran, my co-founding partner of Giant Worldwide. Steve, how goes it, my friend? I'm well, Jeremy. Good to see you. Um, Britain is basking in a heat wave. Um, it's reached 23 degrees today, which is nearly 70 in your language, which is enough basically to cause pets to die and uh, people to complain <laughs> that there's no air conditioning. And basically the tube in London will be like a, a sauna this afternoon. So uh, yeah, that's good. The Brits are, and it's going to be I... 26 by the end of the week. So that's probably about 80 in your money. I can, can, can uh, attest with the fact of 80 plus degrees in the tube is miserable. <laughs> miserable. I've done that many, many a time when we uh, go into London and oh, that's, that's so bad. But but uh, yeah, so um, what else is going on in England these days? You've got a lot, a lot of activity, eh? Well, it, it wouldn't be another year without some kind of election. We've had more elections over here than's good for any person and we're right in the midst of it. I think June the 8th is the final sort of vote, but it's fascinating watching how dumbed down communication has become that basically um, they're just trying to get their sound bites out. And for those of us who really like real political debate, it's kind of quite depressing. But Teresa, who obviously I'm probably slightly politically biased and anyone who knows me probably knows this is true. Theresa May is probably the first politician I can remember since Margaret Thatcher, who actually believes in something that might be unpopular and is actually trying to deal with some grown-up issues of how does the country pay for social care and provision of older folk when the reality is less and less people are working, more and more people are retired, and uh, we probably can't just keep promising we're going to spend more and more and more and more because that's what gets elected. So um, that's caused a little bit of controversy over here for obvious reasons, and it's the brave vote because rather than just promise everything and then change it afterwards is what they normally do she's actually trying to treat the the british people like grown-ups but it's not working that well at the moment and all of our um you're gonna have social commentary on our podcast because some people are gonna <laughs> listen to you going oh yeah well i'll tell you no I, I i think everyone though would agree on the other side of the ocean um donald, <laughs> donald trump is uh probably uh, ha has some communication issues when you say, is that the best way you describe it? Humility issues. There's a lot of, number, number of different things, but I, I would, uh, communication is one of them. I, w I would say discretion and discipline would probably be the tool that I would recommend most oh, or to be it, perhaps clear that um, when he's going to say something, it isn't necessarily going to be quoted in the New York Times the following day. So there we go. Well, what to say, who to say it to, when to say it, oh, all those things are just, <laughs> if you could just understand. In fact, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal, uh, it was really, really good, basically talking about, you know, is he going to be the first president that runs his own press conferences? <laughs> because, because he's basically undermined all of his leaders, all of his people, because he goes direct to the source through mm -hmm. Twitter. So because of his direct to the source, he's the first president who's basically decided to go around every one of his people and undermines them. So he can't build a culture. How do you build a culture when you undermine all your people um, on a consistent basis based on the things that you say? And it, those things got him elected because they were populist um, uh, verbiage, but to govern is a whole nother thing. And, and gosh, it's so interesting. It'll be so interesting to see if he 
ends up making it all the way through his course. I know there's a half the population who's had impeach impeach Trump t-shirts on um, <laughs> under everything that they wear. But uh, I, I, you know, obviously I wish uh, every leader a chance to be a good leader. But talk about bad communication. Unbelievable. Well, speaking of communication, that's what we're talking about today. Oh, good nice link, Joe. Seamless, seamless. You can't nice. buy professionalism like that. Nice tie-in. Uh, we do. We've got Donald Trump on the line. Um, so, Donald, um, good to have. No, I'm joking. For all of you who may have thought that we actually did, that could be. That would be pretty funny um, if we had Alec Baldwin and and uh, anyway had him do his Trump persona. I was expecting um, you to do a little bit of Russian as something to yeah, yeah. Kill, coming straight <laughs> oh. through. Oh, that would be. <laughs> Uh, no conspiracy theory here. What we're going to talk about today is we are going to pick back up on communication. You know, at the Liberator, all those listening, um, the Liberator podcasts, our focus is to help people learn how to fight for the highest possible good of those they lead. Uh, we try to give you content and concepts that we do in our business. Our business is called Giant Worldwide. Uh, we serve companies, we serve individuals, teams, um, to try to help them um, become the the best leaders they can to help them fight for the highest possible good. And we ultimately solve the people problem. And most of the issues in the world, most of the people problems come through communication problems. So today we're going to talk about communication. We're going to dive into it. We're going to tie in a little bit of the communication code, which we've talked about before. Uh, We'll talk about the support challenge matrix as well. But the idea is simply this. Um, Each one of us uh, if we are communicating with someone else, that means that we have a transmission, a transmitter, and we have a receiver. That each of us is almost like a radio tower. We have a transmission that we're sending through communication, body language, what we actually say, our, our, our verbiage. And that transmission goes out like a wave to the other person. And if the other person is, if we're connected to them uh, and they re- uh, receive it well, that means their receiver is turned on towards us, then they'll receive the transmission and then they'll have their own transmission back to us and we'll receive it. And that would be the healthy or the mature communication where someone is uh, knows that, that, uh, uh, that you're for them and they then allow your transmission in and then they transmit back and being very technical and formal in communication. The problem is, is that most transmissions Uh, never make it to the other person because the other person has either turned the receiver off primarily because they don't feel like that 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 person is for them so if if you don't feel that they're for them or if you feel like that that person is for themselves then they won't um, open up they won't allow the transmission to come in and so there's all types of issues disconnections a lot of choppy relationships a lot of uh, frustrations that occur and in essence, what we're after today is to help you, the listener, learn how to be, become more proficient in your communication. Uh, what oftentimes happens is uh, when people aren't receiving, uh, the transmitter will turn up their, their volume and the frequency and they'll speak louder. And it, they're thinking that the other person just can't hear or, uh, or too busy or what have you, not fully aware that they've just turned themselves off to the communication. So how, what would it look like for you as a person, as an individual who actually can communicate effectively and, and actually can then become a liberator in someone's life versus being a dominator or a protector or so forth? So um, uh, with that, um, 
what I want you to do is an individual exercise for all of those who are sitting by a computer or by a piece of paper. I want you to actually um, draw something and, and play with something to do a little communication inventory. What I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to make two stick figures. Put one stick figure on the left and give yourself uh, maybe an inch or two and then a stick figure on the right. And in each case, um, this is an inventory. You might want to do that, let's say, four or five times with four or five sets of stick figures. Okay, and stick figure obviously uh, reflects you on the left, the individual, and on the right, it would be someone else. So it could be a business partner on the right. It could be a spouse. It could be a team um, a leader that you, that you lead or an employee. Uh, it could be um, a child. It could be anyone in your life. If you pick the four or five most important people or the, the people that you communicate with the most frequently. Uh, so again, you're on the left. That's you. On the right is the other person. And then what I want you to do is I want you to simply create a, um, a line from you, but the line is going to look like three different things. It could either be a straight line. If it's a straight line, from you to the other person, then that means that there's smooth communication. That means that the relationship dynamics is are smooth. Uh, that that they're clear. You feel good. There's no real issue. Okay, that's one option. Another option from you to that other person, whomever it is, could be that it's a choppy line, and it's and it's a real choppy like it's real wavy, and it has high peaks. And if it's really disconnected and really, or let's say say really frustrated. If that relationship is not really strong, then it might be really, really wavy and choppy. Or the other option is if you've got a person in your life, um, whether it again spouse or someone on your team, you're you're having to com communicate all a lot, but you feel disconnected. You don't feel connected to them. Then make it a dotted line. And so those there might be other variations, but for today's podcast, this gives you a start. Then what I want you to do is I want you to then think about the other person and I want you to, to make a corresponding line back to you based on how you think they are to you. Meaning, if you might be smooth to your spouse, but your spouse, you might think that the spouse feels like it's choppy to you or it might be disconnected back to you. So um, do the same thing to, to kids, do the same thing for anyone else. You've got, again, your four to five pairs there. This becomes your communication inventory. It's your opportunity to start understanding your transmission and your relationship dynamics so that we can really kind of maybe find some pain points and some areas so that we can actually help uh, resolve even today on today's podcast. Steve, what would you add to that? I think I'll give an example maybe that, that'll help people. So I love the idea of the smooth line, the choppy, the disconnected. And, and for me... If I look perhaps at kind of communication with Helen over the last month or so, um, there's actually elements of each in it. So my line, uh, whether this is what you wanted me to do, it's what I did. So, you know, forgive me for my pioneer tendencies. But kind of on the whole, I would say it's been pretty smooth. There's a couple little choppy bits and there's probably one where it's disconnected. But overall in the last three months, I'd say most of it's been smoother than it ever has been little bit of choppy, one disconnect, but that is um, significant progress on where it would be before. So that's my line for Helen and I. And Helen being your wife for those. Not, that's the one. Not, uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> Which, Helen was my you fifth. don't have one wife, right? Helen's my fifth wife, but she's doing really well. And 
We've got 37 <laughs> children and we live in Utah, so great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness. So, uh, now, for those those listening, <laughs> your spouse, it may be uh, really, really tough because that line might be disconnected. Mm. It might be uh, that it's really, really choppy. And um, so, what we're doing here is giving you the opportunity to really um, look at your your life and go, okay, what's causing it? What's the primary issue? And we'll get to that here in a minute uh, in kind of some the communication code. But the the reality is what we're trying to get you to. So if you did the same thing that Steve just mentioned, so um, I might take Steve here and uh, and and use him as an example. Um, if I if I am drawing a line to Steve as a business partner. Uh, then I might view my relationship to him as um, really, really smooth, or let's say smooth with a little bit of choppiness every once in a while. Because probably you know once a month we'll kind of have like a brother spat, yeah, and it kind of it, it kind of the little fight. Yeah. Um, but it's it's all it's actually good, and we actually fight for each other's highest possible good. I, I just put it down to your time of the month being a feeler, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, that's it and and because steve has uh, very few emotional intelligence tendencies then no i'm joking but that that um what happens if we both probably we both agree because we've talked about this that it's smooth and a little bit of chop and then smooth mm. and so we both agree to that and we're like you know what we're actually fine with that in our business partnership it's probably it's probably the feistiness and the passion that we have mm. for the business. And, and your, your unreasonableness and defensiveness, usually. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize this would be a therapy session. Could you imagine a fight? Oh, yeah? Well, I'll tell you. It's a good job there's only a half a million people listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, that said, all of you, it gives you an opportunity to do an inventory of your relationships mm. and your communication to go, okay, what's the issue? What's the primary situation issue? And and do you do you know? Um, are you assuming what's what the line would be back to you? It might be that you have to go and have a conversation and find out what they really feel. Yeah, I think I think that that's one of the things when we've done this exercise together, Jeremy. It's actually when your um, line with the smooth with the occasional choppy actually is what I'm also receiving, and my I feel that's the same as you. That actually means that we're, we're pretty connected. But we've done it in some relationships with people where the perception uh, from the other side was dramatically different. So what I might have interpreted as choppy, somebody else actually was interpreting as completely disconnected because for them, relational disharmony meant that we were disconnected from each other. So it's always good to check what your perception of that reality is because in some ways it's not always the same, particularly if you have one of those stronger, more dominant voices that tends to um, almost uh, be stronger, I guess, than you perhaps realizing your challenge. So most people um, don't realize the communication or relationships are where they are because they just go on about their way in task mode, just doing whatever they do. And so the relationships dynamics don't really ever change and most people don't know what it's like to be on the other side of themselves anyway. Mm. So the the whole idea that we're doing here is trying to get you to reality. So you can actually see what it's like to be on the other side of yourself. You can start having the conversations and possibly, just maybe, lead yourself and make some drastic changes that could change your patterns and your actions as it relates to those mm. that you're around. 
So, Steve, why don't you bring in the next element and the piece to this? Yeah, I think kind of as we've tried to break down, um, if communication is a big issue, which it is universally, how can we um, do what we normally try and do, which is make something an educated 13-year-old can understand, use, and teach their friends, because then it means Jeremy can understand it, which is great, so... Um, <laughs> wow, you're, you're on today. Unbelievable. I'm just, keep going, keep I'm, going. I'm just modeling a communication breakdown so everyone knows that we're You're not... modeling Donald Trump really well. Oh, keep right. going. I do a much better Donald, don't worry. Um, <laughs> I'd love to know what his uh, voice order was, but that's another story for another day. So if you think the first lens is to say, use the support and challenge matrix. So that's really our liberator lens. And we use it and taught you it many times before. But if you think of a four-way kind of matrix with high support, high challenge in the top right quadrant, that's basically what we're aiming for. That's the type of leadership, whether it's with your team, with your spouse, with your family. Whenever we manage to calibrate high support and high challenge appropriately and well, we create a culture of empowerment and opportunity and people get to grow, they know we're for them, we know we're going to help them fulfill their potential. And I guess my question, Jez, just to sort of put some flesh on the bone for people is, just think, for example, maybe firstly from a spouse perspective, what type of behaviours would you expect to experience and see in a spouse that was basically being a true liberator for you, calibrating high support and high challenge? What, what, is, what does that look like and feel like on the other side of that type of relationship in it with a spouse? Yeah, so uh, active listening um, for me, and I know that they're for me. Um, mm. So the the listening then becomes uh, almost an advocate, um, and but at the same time, there's enough challenge there that they're not uh, enabling me. Uh, that that they would actually they would they would challenge to make sure that that uh, I was actually you know, reaching the the goals of the things I wanted. Mm-hmm. So uh, active listening with a kind of a fighting for you, but almost like cheerleading with, with active um, uh, direction. Mm. I think for me, sometimes just actually being prepared to bring that challenge and say, hey, Steve, are you aware that, you know, when you said this, this is how I think somebody heard it, but without it being accusatory. So it's, it's almost that fighting for my highest possible good, but it's where I know that they're for me. I know, you know, that there's, there's usually that kind of sense of just togetherness in what we're doing, that kind of physical affection, that enjoy being being together. That's that kind of support and challenge that makes me feel connected and feels that communication is is healthy. Let's do the bottom right quadrant now. So, what about when you've got a maybe a spouse relationship where, you know, we can talk about people's generic ones rather than just our own, but where there's where there's high challenge but it, there's very little support. So where someone feels like their spouse is really challenging the whole time, very little low support, well, what type of, you know, what we would call, I guess, the dominator quadrant, what type of spouse behaviors would we expect to see in that quadrant, Jez? Yeah, from a spouse, I think it's rolled eyes, <laughs> body language. I mean, it's uh, nagging. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, really undermining or demeaning. So it would be in a uh, conversation with, um, let's just say it was with friends and you're having a dinner party and then they throw you under the bus mm. and they basically in front of everyone else kind of uh, share your weaknesses or your biggest issues or, well, you know, you know, Jeremy, he'll never make anything out of himself or, mm. uh, you know, um, thankfully that doesn't happen in, in my life, but um, I've seen it happen a lot. And um, so 
uh, so frustrated and angry because of unresolved tension, mm. but they bring it out in social settings and um, undermining. Yeah, I think it's also you know where someone has a is is almost getting angry and and has that kind of just you know they they put them down as you say and and basically constantly challenge undermine you know disagree with them those sort of things in that kind of public space where where somebody wonders really whether uh, am I just your PA I mean am I just someone who works for you because at the moment all I feel is you just give me tasks to do you're kind of constantly criticizing what I'm doing in certain areas of my life or that relationship or what I'm doing with the kids nothing ever feels good enough for a spouse where basically you've got this high challenge going on the whole time and it just causes people to usually shrivel up and retreat because they always feel like somehow it's them that's failed in that particular context. Um, that's good. What about, what about, um, what is it like when you have a high support and a low challenge where someone is massively for you, massively supportive, but basically struggles to bring challenge? What, what sort of relationship does that look like? What sort of behaviors would we expect to see there? Um, lots of enabling and, and almost not, you know, not lying, but just kind of, uh, uh, exaggerating at times i've also seen hinting so to go um i've seen this in some couples where the the other person is so afraid uh, of uh of challenge that they'll just hint and they'll avoid any types of of conflict but they're constantly asking or asking other people to ask their husband (laughs) to do certain things because they don't want to upset the apple cart and so it just it produces that that kind of hinting culture yeah I think as well it's where, you know, often people, they they know what their spouse needs to grow in, but they never manage to tell them. You know, it's almost like they they kind of, they do their own self-preservation, which is I don't want to deal with what might happen if they disagree. So I'm going to, I'm just going to carry on and just be, you know, massively supportive. I'm also probably, we find in this one, they end up doing lots and lots of things to serve the other person and gradually become more and more resentful that it isn't appreciated. Um, so it's almost like the more they do, the more they feel sometimes that they should be being appreciated and they're not being appreciated, but they don't know how to bring challenge. So they kind of hint at their displeasure and that gradual kind of undercurrent of something's wrong, but they don't really know how to tell the person what it is. It just feels slightly strained. Yep, I agree. So, and the last, the last category. Yeah, the last quadrant. I mean, I guess, what, is it, what does it feel like to be sort of someone in a sort of spouse relationship? What behaviors do you see where there's, where there's low support and low challenge, that classic abdicator culture? Yeah, I think abdication, uh, I, would, I would just call it roommates. Yeah. It's, ba- it's basically, uh, abdication usually leads to the other person abdicating too, and they just exist. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, you do your deal, I'll do mine. And um, just that. Oh, that culture of, yeah, just people, you know, no life. There's just, it's dark. It's just really, really cold. And, uh, man, I've seen that. I've, I've, we've got a number of CEOs that we're working with currently who have, have who've run into some of those issues. And, and so I, I, I get it. Mm. And I think it's often where people just almost agree to live parallel lives, where in theory they, they have their, you know, one spouse maybe has all the work, the other has all the home. You know, the, the children and family and caring for parents give us a task to do together. But fundamentally, if you take away um, those tasks to do, you suddenly find there is very little 
in terms of actual engagement um, and let alone depth relationship. So it's very functional, it's very, very task focused and just basically that kind of parallel live type experience. Um, I, I mean, I think that's, it just shows really how powerful, I mean, we could have done that example for maybe, you know, your sort of business partner or for your people at work or in your team. But the premise of just simply asking the question, what are the behaviors that you would associate with each of those quadrants? And I think the most important thing is, you know, know yourself to lead yourself says, if we are accidental in our leadership, then the tendencies that people will experience are, are relatively predictable. So for me, for example, my if I don't try, I tend to be high challenge and low support. And so all of those things we described about what it's like to be on the other side of a spouse, what it feels like and is experienced like, that's what accidental looks like for me. I may have an intent to be a liberator. Most people do. But if the experience on the other side, if I'm just being accidental and just letting my tendencies define what I do, that's some of the experience on the other side of me. And, you know, you, you only need to go and ask a few people whether that's true, and they'll usually say, yes, it is. So I recognize a lot of those patterns of behavior. I hope, Helen would say, that I've been more intentional in trying to deal with those, but I think it's just really important to know if you're accidental, that's what people will experience. So with you, Jez, I guess, maybe more of that high support, low challenge, sort of default tendency, if you're not in, intentional, that's what accidentally happens. Absolutely, and it's uh, it's been consistent in uh, companies I've led, teams as well. And so I've had to really learn how to bring high challenge and be consistent. Mm. And, um, and sometimes I can overdo it and actually dominate. And mm. so it's, it's so funny how, um, but, but it is learning that it's the calibration. That's really the art and science of being a liberating leader. Mm. That's why we say all leadership's not equal mm. because there's different types of leadership, but to go the, cal- the calibration of support and challenge I mean, in getting that right. It's like, it's an art and a science. And if you do that really, really well, you will have an advantage over anyone else. Um, and But it also will affect your relationships. Your transmissions will start changing. If you're, if you're a liberator, then the, the vibe that people feel from you, the transmission that they, they'll start receiving it differently. Mm-hmm. But no one can receive it, to your point. No one will receive, uh, they'll turn you off if they feel that you're for yourself or you're against them. Um, and, and that's the important thing we want you to hear uh, that, that, uh, to be a liberator, communication is a key component of it. And so to be consistent in your transmission is really important. I think that's, you know, that's almost that first lens of how do you improve communication? The aha really is being, if the person on the other side of you is experiencing you as anything other than a liberator, you've effectively got to deal with that one first, because the reality is they're then filtering everything you say through a lens that you're unaware of. So this one is almost like base one. You've got to get to a point where you go, okay, what's it like to be on the other side of me? If they know that I'm being a liberator for them, then we can move on to the next stage. But if you don't get that right, and it's not working. So if you're watching people who are drawing away from you, you know, there's, it just never seems to work. They're not there. They're frustrated with you. They're, they're communicating with their body language that what they're receiving is is not good. It's usually because actually they're not experiencing you as a liberator, which means you don't understand why they're not hearing what you're saying, but it's coming through that lens. So that's the first thing we want you to understand is if you don't get that right, 
communication will never work well. But if it is, we can move on to stage two. And that's really this idea of creating almost an intentional uh, code or cipher that you can put in front of your communication. Because even though um, I'm experiencing you as a liberator, Jeremy, it doesn't mean we always have smooth communication. And I think what we've said before is that we often use the analogy that if you can use uh, common vocabulary to create a common language, then it allows you to begin to create a new culture. So if you want a healthier culture of communication in a relationship, what we found is putting in a common vocabulary and language helps. So here are five communication codes that we would encourage you to practice because before I start speaking to Jeremy, what I'm going to say is, Jeremy, I'm going to give you the filter through which I want you to experience this and how I want you to respond. So the first one, and just be careful, listen to the description. We tend to have words, definitions in our head. But the first one is critique, where I might actually say to Jeremy, I actually want you to critique my work. I, I want you to ask the difficult questions. I need your due diligence. I need to know why this isn't going to work. And often with critique, it's because there's an immediate need. I'm pretty close to a final decision on this, and I really want somebody to really give me their honest and often you know, critical opinion, because there's no point sending something out which isn't as good as it could be, whether that's an email, whether that's a document, whatever it may be. But if you preface critique as your communication code, it gives the other person a clue or a clear how you wish them not only to receive what you're saying, but actually how you want them to transmit back to you. Does that make sense, Jeremy? Absolutely. Yeah. So, what what would you say uh, uh, today? So, we met we met earlier today. What was the what was the code that you were looking for? I think I'd spent. You know, we've been we've been talking for quite a long time about a particular area of how we serve people better inside our business. And I think I'd probably created a summary. I felt of all the conversations we've had, and I was almost saying, right, let's critique this now. We'd worked at it for a period of time. I'm going, okay, guys, why is this not going to work? What are the small things that are left? I really want you to have a crack at it. So sometimes I'll often say to Helen, you know, here's an email I'm about to send. Uh, I really want you to critique this because you know what my intent is. Helen will then read my email and go, oh, my goodness, you haven't sent this, have you? And I go, well, what, what do you mean? She said, well, this is how I'd hear it. And I'm going, well, that's not what I mean at all. So she basically then will rewrite a fair amount of it. That's critique in its very healthiest form. So it's actually being clear what you're asking the other person for before you start communicating, whether that's orally or whether that's through written form. And, and some people have a choppy relationship with someone else because uh, one person values critique and the other person runs from critique. Yeah. And so they've tended to critique someone else who doesn't handle it very well, right? And so that becomes an issue. Um, and, and in fact, critique becomes a major issue in most communication. And I think what we're saying here is that this is how they can be incredibly positive. So we're redeeming words that often for people, if you're, on a, if you're in a culture of high challenge and low support, it feels sometimes like you're being critiqued all the time. This is an intentional use of a communication code to allow the other person to really know what you're you're asking for. Because if both of you know what's going on, it's easier. So you ready for your next one? Let's do it. You'll like this one. So collaborate is where I'm actually saying to the other person, I actually inviting you to help shape this with me. 
I really want your wisdom and expertise to help make sure we get the best possible outcome. So this is where often we haven't yet finalized, you know, towards plan. It's really saying, let's do this together. Let's build it together. I want your ideas. I may have a few things to get me started, but collaboratively together, I think we can get this to a far better place. And often collaboration is best, happens at a point where, you know, there's still time in the process, where there's still the opportunity for ideas. It's not got to what I call the law of color print, where once it's in color print, usually collaboration <laughs> means I'm only prepared to edit this a very little bit and it'll feel like critique if you do. So collaboration is that real camaraderie, is that let's make this better together or let's leverage all of the voices in the team to truly get the best possible outcome. Okay, great. let's go on to the, the next one. Okay, so clarify is a very specific communication code where, um, and, and listen to the definition where I will say to someone, Jeremy, I know I have something really important to share and I'd love you to take time to ask great questions so I can get it out. And please know that what I say first won't be where we end up. So I'm asking you to be patient with me. So clarification as a communication code is saying, I kind of have got something in me. I, I know it's important. It probably won't come out right first time. And I just want you to ask great questions so I can get out what it is I'm really trying to say. So for those of you who speak creative as a first or second voice, this may well actually be a fantastic communication code because sometimes you're, you're fighting to get someone out and if you're not clear, somebody may actually start collaborating or even critiquing what they hear, but clarify gives that clarity that you're asking them to help them get out what they're saying first before you try and transmit back to them. Make sense? Yep, absolutely. And the fourth one is, is care. Um, where at the beginning of the communication, I say, do you know something like, I'm, I'm really struggling right now, Jez. You know, I actually just need a safe space. I'm really frustrated and I'd love a place where I can process out loud all the things I'm struggling with. Um, I really don't need you to solve this right now. Um, I just need a safe place and I need to know that you're happy to be with me and listen to me rather than trying to solve it right now. Because probably by the time I've got it out there, and by the time I've shared my frustrations, by the time I've shared, you know, just some of this internal wrestling I've got, that's the best possible thing you can do for me right now. Okay, I wish I'd known that one a long time ago. And so, and lastly, celebrate, which is where you can say to someone, you know, I'm incredibly encouraged. I'd love you to celebrate the success with me. Um, I want to make sure we truly enjoy this moment and that we don't move on too quickly. Let's, let's actually celebrate what's been achieved rather than, um, you know, celebrate it quickly and then just move on to something else. So what we're trying to do is, you know, we'll talk in a moment, I and mean, that's where this one came from, realizing that actually if you can put a communication code in front of your transmission, it not only helps the other person understand what you're saying, but it also tells them how you want them to receive it and from that, how you wish to transmit, because perfect communication is when there is this mix of both transmission and receiving, and it goes backwards and forwards as well. Yeah, and I know my tendency is I love to celebrate. Mm. Um, I love I love it when other people will celebrate and care. Um, I have a harder time, and then collaborate at times, but my tendency 
is different than what I want from other people. Mm. I think that's important. I want certain things from certain people. I want people to celebrate and to care. But when, uh, when I'm with other people, I tend to collaborate mm. and uh, maybe celebrate when, when they want uh, critique, as in your case. Uh, and so when you understand the difference between one another, it can really, really help you because you can start to, to uh, see, okay, they, they really are, need care right now. Or, and I tend to critique or uh, they want to celebrate and I don't know how. Mm. Uh, so those are the types of things that will actually move your choppy lines and maybe disconnected lines to smooth lines on your communication inventory. Mm. And your transmission might feel a little different because at the end of the day, do they feel like you're for them? Do they feel like you're a liberator? Mm. And if you're not coming across as a liberator, then you can try all you want, but they'll still turn their receiver off and they won't receive what you're saying. So let's assume that we're we're making progress here. So the person ex- experiencing you as a liberator, you're for them, and they've also, um, they've also, you've put the communication code before the communication, and they've also confirmed that's what they've received. Even that, though, is not enough to create that smooth communication, because the last part is, once you know how they want you to respond, you actually have to learn how to do active listening. You actually have to learn how to take the time to truly hear what the other person's saying, use your body language, reflect back, all those skills that we're aware of. Because it's possible to be a liberator for somebody, it's possible to have given the communication code, but if you don't actually listen (laughs) completely to when they finished, it can still cause that choppiness or disconnected in communication. I would say this is a tendency for me, that even when I'm really trying, my tendency is to try and almost jump in before someone's finished their sentence because I'm pretty sure I know what they're trying to say and that's one of those ones at the moment where you know particularly if you're dealing with introverts it often takes them time to think about what they're going to say and Helen will often say to me I can't believe you just said that because now I've lost my train of thought so that idea of liberation communication code and active listening allows you then to respond in a way where people feel that you are you are truly for them and you've truly heard them and that is where the most effective communication and relationships deepen. So that's our kind of threefold sort of challenge, I guess, and just little lens to work on the communication that you have. So as always, our goal and our job is really to liberate you, to be a a Sherpa in your life, to help you get to the next level. And uh, that's what we do at Giant. We help organizations. Uh, We help them uh, become more effective. We solve the people problem. And most of the people problems can be solved, but it takes a mind shift and it takes people who are actually self-aware. Uh, we're excited. We've got a couple of really new programs that are coming out uh, with the Five Voices system that will be coming out in the fall. And we also have something called Accelerate that will launch this summer in certain cities. And it's all designed to help people get to the next level. And to, to get the next level, though, means that you have to go really deep and understand who you are and what your tendencies are and what your patterns are as a team as an individual, as an organization, and make changes. So hope, hopefully today we've, we've encouraged that. Hopefully we've sparked some uh, interest for you, maybe trying some different um, uh, ways. Maybe, maybe try the communication code out and see if there's a way that you can um, maybe make uh, choppy lines more smooth in your communication inventory. Any last words 
for us, Steve-O? I think only just to say that we're, we're sharing our own journey of, as always, our own learning, usually through failure. So this isn't that we're experts in communication. It's more that we're saying, make different mistakes than the ones we've already made. And what we're trying to do is to create ways that you can use simple tools to improve and go beyond where we've gone, which um, in my case shouldn't actually be that difficult. So uh, keep working on that communication. It is absolutely key to leadership and relationship in every area of our lives. Absolutely. And so until next time, we will see you later, friends. Thank you for your patronage. If this is helpful, send it on to people. Let them know about the Liberator podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.